0: Hey everyone, welcome to Pieces of You, a show about life through the lens of four fierce and resilient women who lost their moms too damn soon.
1: Each episode will feature stories to inspire hope, healing, and connection, because if we work together, we can make the broken better.
0: Hey, this is Shadia, and I'm here with Sarah. This is episode three of our mini episodes, where each of us will have an opportunity to share a piece of us with all of you. Thanks Shadia. I'm Sarah. Hi Sarah. I'm so excited to do this. This is the first time that we have been doing any type of formal recording of episodes.
1: Oh my gosh, my heart is racing. I am so excited. I have been recording myself on my phone for months leading up to this just in anticipation of... You have? Oh my gosh, yes. On, it's voice memos. I, t- I do like voice diary entries, so I share more in those than i well, who knows? Maybe I'll share. Wow. That's fascinating. Just in preparation for this, or have you always done that? I've been doing that actually for the past couple of years. It's like journaling, but through talking and secretly, you know, I don't know if you've had this, but it's like, I've, uh, I'll wish that like someone will like find my journal someday and they'll be like, oh my God, this person had like such great thoughts. I think I've heard other people have that fantasy kind of, and I, that's how I feel about my voice memos. So this is getting closer to that. Um, I love that. All right. Well, let's get started. I'm
0: excited about this. Yeah. And even more that you've been preparing for <laughs> practically years for
1: this. This <laughs> is a lot of pressure for me.
0: <laughs> no. First, who are your people, Sarah?
1: Who are my people? Um, I'm going to have to go with my boyfriend Tony and our golden retriever Norbert. Even though he's not a person, those are my main people, and a huge extended support network, which I'll be talking about more later, actually. And how long have you and Tony been together? Just a little over a year. We actually met like two months pre-lockdown, COVID lockdown. Um, convenient
0: of, of Yes,
1: that. I know. <laughs> it, personally, it felt extremely convenient. I'm one of those people who likes to be with their partner a lot. So in that sense, I really enjoyed being forced to be locked in together. Same, I'm the same way.
0: Oh yeah. When I'm with that you, you're gonna great. get
1: annoyed by me because I, yep, want time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I guess we can't go anywhere. <laughs> oh shoot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, love it. What is your work? I'm currently working as a mental health practitioner. Went to school to be a marriage and family therapist, and I'm still working towards my license. As that, it's been several years, but. Uh, my role right now is helping individuals who have a severe enough mental illness that it interferes with their day-to-day functioning. So I have been working over Zoom with them, which has been very interesting. Just kind of get through their days. And during COVID, then there's a whole nother layer with that. It's been challenging. Um, I honestly really enjoy the work a lot. I find it fascinating that
0: you are a therapist and then also... I think think therapists are fascinating, but like the fact that you are a therapist and then you are also going through like your own grief journey and probably going through your own therapy and everything. I just, when I'm with you, I'm sometimes like, she's probably analyzing me. She's probably thinking, I know you're saying this, but what you really mean is this.
1: <laughs> well, if that's what you mean by analyzing, then maybe yes, I do that occasionally. But that is like the most common response you get from people is like when you, they find out you're a therapist. Is so they, I used to feel like that around therapists, but now it it depends. Honestly, depends on their background. I know I'm biased, but marriage and family therapists are amazing human beings. Pretty much all of them I've met are just like so compassionate and understanding and like fully supportive of setting boundaries and they make great friends i think
0: i'm pro therapy i've done therapy with my husband i <laughs> i'm one of those people who this isn't supposed to be about me but i'm just playing into this that if it were me we'd go to therapy every week whether we are like top notch relationship making out doing all like we just love each other i still want to go to therapy because i always think it could be better yeah i feel like that about like any relationship or whatever so Yes, um, I agree. I think more people should do therapy. But, anyways, we'll save that for another show. Oh my gosh, yes, I I would love to talk about that more. <laughs> All right, let's get into the. I don't know. I consider this a little bit harder. Yeah. To talk about what is your mom's name, and then you want to tell us about
1: her. So my mom's name is Becky. We'll get more into the loss later, but to give some context, she passed away when I was very young, and so. I don't have many memories of her personally. I was only four and a half when she died. But from what I've been told, she was like an angel. I've had people literally say, and and I'm not not religious. I don't come from a super religious family. I think it was when they said angel, they just meant like this extremely kind in a almost non-human way. And as lovely and amazing as that, sounds it almost has made the pain of her loss worse because I'm just like, well, isn't that nice? Everyone else got to experience, you know, this this angel. And um and I I do I am so grateful that I am her daughter. And um she was in my life for the time that she was, but I have been told she was just spectacular to the point where I feel like I could never possibly live up to her just in terms of like kindness and her patience and she was funny, but also like brave and strong and all the things that I strive to be. I really do wish that she was still around. Well, it's interesting when you say that because everything that you
0: just explained about her is actually how I see you. And I know, I know I don't know you super well yet, but I actually very much perceive you like that. And like, let's also remember, no human's perfect, right? So like your mom had flaws, guaranteed. We all have flaws. That's just like realistic of life. But I feel like how you explained her, I'm like, that's you. Like being around you is so peaceful and calm and non judgmental and just like kind of like an
1: aura of calmness, I feel like. So
0: I, I, I truly say that. I mean that, I guess I should say.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> That's yes. so sweet. I'm so curious what it would be like if she was still alive and if we would be similar like mm-hmm. today still. I appreciate you saying that. And I do feel like I try to, I try to be like her. I don't know how much of it is me trying to be like her and how much is it's just who I, who I am. Yep. And that, that'll, that could probably be a whole nother episode is disentangling your own identity from your mother's who's no longer alive oh my gosh completely right like
0: it's almost nature versus nurture in that situation right like right it's just innately part of me or is this me trying to project who i think she was based on what people tell me right you know Mm -hmm. wow we're gonna have to know i feel like this is gonna come up so often we're like add that to another episode yeah (laughs) Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about um, your story of loss with her.
1: I was four and a half when my mom died. I was told that she died from breast cancer, which ultimately spread to her brain, and she ended up dying from a brain tumor, but she had breast cancer. That was what they were treating. And I was told like for years. Uh, she went into remission when I was a toddler, and then when I was like preschool age, she got really sick, and I think it progressed really quickly. And I remember it being the winter time, and it was late at night, and friends of our family were staying at my house with me because my dad was at the hospital with my mom. I just have this strange, like, snapshot almost of a memory of just being at my house, four and a half in a bed with some of like the family, like our family friends were sleeping with me to like keep me company and help me feel safe. And, um, we got a call in the middle of the night and I just remember rushing to the hospital and I remember standing next to her in her bed and she just was laying there, um, Kind of lifeless. And as I'm, it's crazy because as I'm sharing this memory, I'm questioning whether this is even what really happened or if I'm combining two different memories. That was the night that she died. And I have a memory of being at my house that night and getting woken up by the phone, which was telling us that I imagine she had died or was about to be taken off life support. But then I also have a memory of standing at her hospital bed holding her hands in a room full of people, many of whom I knew. Um, I'm pretty sure I knew everyone. It was all her closest family and friends, but it still felt like they were, I mean, not strangers, but it was like the only person I wanted in that room was like my mom and my dad. And my mom was just mm-hmm. lifeless in front of me. And I don't i don't know where my dad was. He was in the room, but maybe just not next to you. Is that what you mean? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's weird. I just remember turning... Everyone just had the saddest, most depressed look on their face. And it was being that young, it was very confusing and it felt very heavy. It was incredibly uncomfortable. My
0: gosh, you were four. I can't even believe that you can remember that. Have you always been able to remember that? Or has it like come
1: back to you with age and therapy or? It's strange. It's like, I remember writing about that memory in high school for an assignment, I recalled that experience. And I, then I remember writing it like a, a story or a paper or memoir or something around it. Um, and I think I've retold it then enough times that it's just stuck with me, but that is, that is an interesting point because different things will unlock different memories. This one is just the one that I, it's like this narrative I have. I think I hold it really close to me because it it's the last moments I have with her. And it also explains why I carry such a, like a heaviness and sorrow with me still. It's just so clear that, I mean, that moment, it was extremely evident, but it makes me wonder, you know, how often was I surrounded by really sad, grieving adults and not really knowing what was going on? That's a lot to take in.
0: Like, I I know. It's hard for me not to put myself in that situation. Just to like, A, think about myself as that child which I was a child, but I was not Mm -hmm. as young young as you. And then also imagine my children. Like, it's hard for me not to like, like, I have this pit in my throat a little bit where I'm like, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just so young. Like you can't possibly even understand what's happening around you. And yet people are trying to like normalize your life, right? Like I assume, Mm -hmm. you know, and make it like, you know, this is what we want your life experience to be, but really Mm -hmm. you're a smart girl. And I think even as kids, they're like the most intuitive as far as understanding, like, yeah, I see what's going on here, but there really is like an underlying sadness and truth.
1: Oh yeah. I could feel things that I wouldn't be able to put into words until like Mm -hmm. years and years later. And that's kind of what my growing up experience has been is like gradually understanding more and more about that time and what happened and realizing slowly that like how awful that experience really was because I couldn't grasp it all at the time or for many years even what happened after your mom died like how did your life change it changed a lot and like over time it changed a lot um immediately I'm pretty sure I did I know I lived with my dad for several years after my mom died. And so I imagine, you know, right after she died, you know, I'm guessing I went back home with him, but he was incredibly depressed and he already was struggling with mental health issues, which people didn't realize at the time that he had these severe men, like he's now like considered to have a disability because of his mental illness at the time, I think it was blamed on other factors. He didn't really have much support um, in terms of like his mental health, um, but there were so many people in our life who came together and offered us support in terms of childcare. And I mean, I don't know because I was so young, but I just know that a lot of adults helped out. I stayed at my dad's most of the time, like, I lived with him. But I do remember having a lot of sleepovers, like at other adults' house who were helping to take care of me. I lived with my aunt and my uncle for a couple of years. And eventually, when I was eight, I ended up moving in with another family friend who they were just having a baby, like they had just had a newborn and were willing to take me in. And so I moved in with them when I was eight. And it's just, I mean, I could go on and on. I feel like there's so much that could be talked about, but I feel like the main impact of all of that was uh, (laughs) anxiety. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, makes sense. (laughs) Later in life, (laughs) it's a lot of change. Leading to, yeah, a lot of unexpected change, a lot of situations I had no control over. I was very scared. I didn't know what was going on. And not seeing people were like abusing me or like people were trying to take really, really good care of me. And they were, it was just, I, I didn't know what was going on. And I, I just missed my mom and wanted my mom and I was just doing everything I could to like be good, to be Mm -hmm. easy so that people would take care of me and like me. And I know it's so sad to think about, I've had to decondition my people-pleasing tendencies, but they definitely developed a lot out of like I feel like a survival yep. need like to be liked and to be accepted because I didn't have my parents who could take care of me. Yeah. Same. And, I can
0: totally resonate with that. And it, it's a hard yeah. thing. To, what did what did you say you try to uh like how do you stop that? You said you're trying to
1: decondition the mm-hmm. people pleasing.
0: That's yeah. a really hard thing to do when you just want to be accepted and loved and all the things. Yeah thank you for sharing that with me. I feel like we could be on here for a lot longer talking about that. I'd love to know what you feel like you're going to bring to this podcast because of your loss.
1: I'm going to bring weirdness, silliness, and goofiness for sure. Like all of that that. wrapped into one. Yes. And I'm obsessed with boundaries. So I'm going to be constantly monitoring and um, helping people identify where they could maybe be practicing better boundaries, and that's totally—I mean, full disclosure—that's like my trigger. I notice it a lot in other people because I'm working on it so much with myself. So probably just like therapizing occasionally here and there, <laughs> not trying to—it's hard
0: not to, right? Be like, too much of a, a therapist—that is so much a part of you. It's hard
1: not to. I—I I can't wait for that. Like that makes me so excited. Yeah, I just want to understand people, and and I'm trained in family systems, so that helps. Yep. But I'm excited, and my creativity. I hope that I've always actually wanted to be like an actress and a performer. Really? So mm-hmm, I'm just too. I've been way too scared. So this is my like. Is this your coming out party? This is the beginning.
0: Yeah, to Sarah mm-hmm. and lights. <laughs> yeah. But now it's just Sarah's voice. Yes. And lights. Thank you for sharing your story, Sarah. Yay. Thank you, Shadia. Make sure to tune into our other mini episodes so you can get to know us better before we dive into our other hot topics. We look forward to seeing you then. Take care and remember, if we work together, we can make the broken better. When you feel like you need
1: glue to put back pieces of you, then we will work together. To make the broken better when the wounds are fresh and new and you don't think that they'll heal soon you gotta stay open if you share your story it will get better though it doesn't feel like